Welcome to the Church Doctors Podcast with Scott and Marla Sheely. The Church Doctors Podcast is brought to you by Outpouring International. Love God, love people. Hello, everyone. This is Marla. And this is Scott. We messed them up today. We did it backwards, huh? <laughs> That's right. Oh, you you threw me off. I don't know what to say. What do you say when you're first you on? You say hello. Hello, everyone. This is a podcast that we're doing today with some really fun friends from Canada. Eh? That's right. They uh, Aren't you supposed to say A at the end a. of things. Yeah. We we, we <laughs> imported uh, some special guests all the way. Really, it's only like a, how long of a Five drive? Hours. Oh, it is oh, a little okay. bit of a yeah, drive. Yeah. But uh, we're so excited to have uh, John and Leith with us today. Syrat. Mm-hmm. Yes. Like pirate, only Syrat. Yes. <laughs> I've been saying it wrong. I've been calling them Syrat. And, uh, and we've enjoyed their ministry o- over the past uh, couple of years uh, down here. They come down here regularly to Northwest Montana and uh, share their gifts that God put in them with us. And it's been really good. So welcome to the show today. It's so great to be here. We love it. We love you guys. It's been great getting to know you and, and the saints here. What yeah. a blessing. Welcome, Leith. It is a blessing to be here. Thank you for having us. Now tell us your name, Leith. What kind of a name is Leith? It, uh, it's the name of a port in Scotland. In Scotland. And I've never met anyone else with the same name, although I've heard of people, both male and female, Called Lee. And I was mm-hmm. named after a radio announcer in Moose Jaw, where I was born. My mom liked your name, so I got it. Why not? <laughs> Why not? That's, that's great. Where did you get your name, John? <laughs> <laughs> Actually, my first name is Alvin. My second name is John. Oh, okay. And uh, my dad figured when I, he named me so that when I became an executive or a manager, people would just call me AJ. Yeah. When I became a pastor, people called me PJ, so it kind of freaked him out. <laughs> <laughs> so well, you we, pastor a church in Canada? Uh, we used to. Okay. I'm a retired pastor. Just How long traveling. did you pastor? We're in Lethbridge, 14 years. In Calgary, three years. And then in back to Calgary after Lethbridge, another six or seven years. Okay. Right. Wow. You didn't That's burn awesome. any bridges. You got to go back. Yeah, yeah we're, we're still accepted by the beloved. <laughs> <laughs> well, we, uh, we thought it would be really neat. For you to to share, uh, since the the uh, infamous movie Jesus Revolution has come out, uh, all of the ex hippies and their wives uh, have started to come out of the woodwork, and they and they say, "I was there. This is what it was like." And the, this is you guys. You guys uh, uh, were single and met during mm-hmm. those days. And so let's go there. Let's talk about what it was like for you during those days. And you can start wherever you want in. There. We uh, we just watched the Jesus Revolution movie about a month ago, mm-hmm. and uh, while we were there, uh, we met a lady who was part of the Jesus people in Vancouver. We were the Jesus people in Calgary, and so it it was just amazing. And everyone clapped, everyone laughed, they cried. It was just a great, great, great film, great message. We loved it. So. Uh, okay, I have to stop you already because you're talking about the Jesus people of Cal- Calgary and the Jesus people. Of all these places, I thought it was just California that this started. Yeah, it, it's, it's a, a, a quite a phenomenon. Uh, the uh, in 1969 to 1974, that was sort of the range that the Jesus People movement uh, happened, and God poured out His Spirit on hippies all over the world, and it wasn't just because they heard about California. It was all simultaneously. Okay. So, um, and there wasn't social media, so no, it, just, it, was it had just, to be a God thing. It was just uh, amazing. 
when I came to Christ, uh, there weren't any Jesus people in Calgary to say Jesus freaks, and they used to call them Jesus freaks. Um, we we were led to Christ. I came to Christ through a divine appointment. Uh, God arranged it. Uh, it was a lady who was a Catholic charismatic. She shared the gospel with me. I, I came to Christ, and um, she said she had a vision to help kids on drugs. They wanted to open a commune. That was their vision. It wasn't about Jesus people or Jesus freaks or anything. But soon... More and more people started to come to Christ, more hippies. Uh, they opened up a house three weeks after I became a Christian, and then uh, it was called the House of Jesus, mm. a guy's house. And a little while later, we opened up a girl's house called Shining Light, eventually became House of Shiloh, and then we had eventually had several houses. And one day, while we were there in the House of Jesus, uh, a bunch of Jesus people from Lethbridge, led by a pastor named Bill Roycroft, young pastor, uh, drove up. They'd heard about us and drove up to our house, and at the exact same time, on the same day, a group from the House of the Lord, Jesus people in Edmonton, which we didn't know anything about, these guys, they they drove to Calgary at the same day, the same time they showed wow. up at our house, and we found out there's more like us, and wow. it, was, it was quite amazing. We That was in the fall of 1970. I came to Christ in August of 70. So and, at that moment, you're like, something's going on. Yeah, we realized we're part of something a lot bigger. Yeah. And then more and more people, more and more hippies travel, and they go, I was at the House of David in in uh, in Winnipeg. I was at the House of Emmaus in Toronto. I was at Bethlehem Inn in, in, uh, in uh, Vancouver, and we're part of the Jesus People Army or whatever. So you're starting to meet all these people from all over the major cities of Canada. I had no idea there were hippies all over the world. Yeah. Yeah. In, I just in, thought in, uh, United yeah. States. Yeah. No, you didn't have a corner on it. We okay. it, it was... <laughs> We, uh, it was all over the world, in Denmark, in Holland, in England, in Australia, in all kinds of places in Europe, hippies were coming to Christ around the same time. It was a sovereign move of God. God did it, uh, to sh- I think, to shake, shake the church up as well, because yeah. churches had to kind of face this fact that we're not reaching these young people, and then all of a sudden they're coming into the churches, and it had to change, a lot of things had to change. So. Yeah, so here here you are, you're... You got recently born again, and you're uh, living in a like a group home for hippies that have just come off the street, just got yep. just got maybe working on getting set free from doing drugs. Mm-hmm. So did you have long hair and all? Oh that? yeah, long hair. I had a, a, a beaded headband. I had a, <laughs> a, a, a knitted sash around my waist. I had bare feet. I had bell bottoms the size of the bottom where you could hide a filing cabinet in Gasp. them. It was you know walking on the street in the summertime. In winter, we wore shoes, of course, because it's yeah. Alberta, Canada. So wait, did, was Leith? Were you a hippie that's, too? That's what did what you I, wear? Um, I was not a hippie. I came to the Lord about a year after John did. And um, I was working for an oil company. I was 22, and um, my sister got saved before I did. And she started going around the house saying, praise the Lord, hallelujah, and making my dad purple with rage. (laughs) And I, um, you know, I mocked her along with them, but... I I went to visit a a friend one evening, and I just was telling them about how silly my sister was, and 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 I said, and she had the nerve to tell me my life must be very empty, and my girlfriend's father looked at me and he said, and she's probably right. Oh wow! And that really hit a nerve, and so I decided I would go with my sister and check it out, 
and uh, we drove down to the house of Jesus, and I looked at all these um, kids. Um, they they looked they well they just weren't my uh, cup of tea. So I said to Leslie, I can't go in, and I drove home, and. And then I went for a walk, and everywhere I walked, I saw groups of kids playing together. And it didn't matter whether they were black or white or whether they were older or younger. They were just groups of children playing together. And the Lord spoke to me and and said, you need this. You need to go. So the next time I drove her, and, uh, you know, I just saw something in those hippies that I couldn't really relate to except that they had a joy and a peace that I wanted yeah. and I just hung out until I found what it was all about did wow. you did you notice at the time then uh, because I've heard other stories that even though it wasn't among the hippie generation uh, maybe more conservative families or whatever but the young college age students still were drawn to Jesus at the same time it, they just didn't have the label of hippie. Did you see that happening in the community also, or was it just not not so much yeah. where I was? Okay, yeah. yeah, but he but the Lord found you. Yeah, he certainly <laughs> did. That's awesome. And then you met John in at well, one the, of those services. Uh, the very first meeting I went to, um, he had just come back from Ontario visiting his family, and he he went around the room shaking hands. And um, I can see that. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> and, you know, meeting the people he didn't know and greeting those he did. And and um, when he came and shook my hand, the Lord said to me, this is the man you're going to marry. And I thought, that's the most ridiculous thing I ever thought in my life, because he looked 16. He was skinny and scrawny and had long <laughs> hair. And, you know, like I said, I worked for an oil company. Right, I was a secretary and, you know, just just kind of... Uh, Conservative. He, he called me a frat cat, but <laughs> not really. <laughs> so, you know, that was... Uh, I just just um, literally hung out until uh, the Lord spoke to me one night to answer an altar call at the church that we were attending. And I went forward, got saved, got baptized, and life's been awesome. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. So, so meanwhile, back to John. Here's this, here's this cute young secretary that has showed up to the, to the Jesus house, right? <laughs> where, where was John? What was John doing during this time while he's being so cordial and saying hello well, to everybody? I just got back from a, a trip. We, we went in a baby blue, um, 60s Dodge Fargo van painted with Hulk If You Love Jesus on the back, Hallelujah on the side, <laughs> Maranatha Express, One Way Jesus, all over the van, baby blue, black paint. And I parked it in my dad's driveway, who, who at that time wasn't a Christian. And he, he told my sister, can you tell him to move that van down the street? And it was fun. But we got back from that trip, and we, every time we picked up hippies, we were sharing the gospel with them. And we, we marked a cross on the side of the van like they did in the wartime <laughs> yeah. when they shot down enemy planes. And we had 12 crosses at the end of that summer trip. Wow. And I got back that day. There were so many people there. I, didn't, I don't even remember meeting Leith at that moment. And she didn't tell me that God told her to marry me uh, or that I, she was going to marry me until about five or six years after we were married, which is very wise. 
you don't, you know, force someone's hand like that. Right. It was very wise. She, she kept her, <laughs> she kept that to herself. And, but, um, boy, the next meeting I saw her and I thought, I like this girl. And, uh, it was, it was great. We used to have Friday night meetings and Monday night meetings, and we'd have certain people come in and uh, teach and, uh, charismatics from different churches. We didn't go to any particular one church. We went to about three or four churches, and uh, one of them was probably the closest to our houses. Our houses were on the same avenue in downtown Calgary, right along the Bow River, but we had to walk about 12 blocks to get to the, the one church that we ended up planted in, being planted in. But when we opened up the house, we had a, it was a two-bedroom house, tiny. I mean, we didn't have a vacuum cleaner, but the, the charismatic people, Baptist, Lutheran, and, and uh, uh, you know, all these charismatics, they, the Catholic charismatics, they all pitched together to pay our rent and provide food wow. and bought some furniture. It was used furniture. Because you didn't have a job? I didn't have a job. I was just fresh off the street. In fact, I was a drug addict until okay. the day I got saved. Okay. Last time I did drugs was the day before I met the lady that led me to Christ. So mm. uh, last time I, yeah, that was my last drug day. So, um, and I was addicted. I was, I was pretty wasted and just looking for my next high. So panhandling on the street, it was totally against my dad's raising me, you know, to be responsible, that kind of thing. So we were there in that house. We, we didn't have enough room for bedroom suites or anything like that. So we had mattresses. We, on the, we laid a floor in the attic, fence boards, anything, any wood we could find. We built a floor in the attic we laid beds there. Everyone, all the guys had sleeping bags. They were all transients. And we had 27 guys in that two-bedroom wow. house. <laughs> and uh, most of them brand-new Christians. Some of them have been Christians for a while. But, uh, yeah, it was quite a wild time. And what, what were the, the meetings like? Now, you're, you're connected with some charismatic uh, believers that came out of the different denominations, including some Catholics. Yep. So what, were your, what, what was a typical meeting like? Meeting, we, we, I got saved with a guitar on my back. And so um, in one of the meetings, the lady that I've been to Christ, Mert Walkler, she's my spiritual mom, she said, John, can you lead us in worship, some songs? And I said, uh, well, I don't really know too many songs about Jesus. The only song I knew about Jesus was that I could think of was I started singing it. Okay, it's Jesus puts his money in the bank of Montreal. Jesus saves, Jesus saves, Jesus saves. Huh? <laughs> and all of a sudden, all of a sudden, the holy hush came on the room. And I, I thought, oh, this is, must be good, whatever. And, the, and Mert said, John, maybe we'll get someone else to yeah. sing. <laughs> so it was a bit, uh, a bit embarrassing. And then eventually you started singing songs like We Are One in the Spirit. And then I, I was a songwriter, so I was been writing in rock bands and folk groups and stuff. And so I started writing uh, worship songs or, or songs about Jesus. And, and so we started singing those. So we'd sing these songs in a group, and then we'd... We'd uh, pray over people. We'd lay hands on people and pray, and and there was all kinds of stuff going on. People, we didn't know much. I, I you know, I didn't know uh, whether Ezekiel was a a prophet or played for the Edmonton Eskimos yeah. or whatever. <laughs> didn't know. So we uh, we just prayed over people and said what we felt the Lord wanted to say to them, and that was kind of the birth of our our particular ministry. And then I became not my any intention of my own. I became the leader because. Most of these guys hadn't been raised as well as I had in terms of responsibility, even though I rebelled against it and was panhandling on the street and stuff. When the, when the news media came and they heard about the Jesus freaks and the Jesus people, they would come to the door and want to do interviews, and they'd ask, who's the leader? And everyone would say, all these guys would say, nobody's the leader. But when the police came looking for a, dr- a thief or a drug addict or a draft dodger, which we had in the house, um, they, would, uh, they would say, who's the leader? And everyone would say, John is. And so I just 
God just put me there and, and became the leader of it. And uh, it was, uh, it was uh, quite wild. The meetings were wild, but we had a lot of people come to Christ in those meetings. And So were the meetings or the Jesus Revolution, was it more about salvation or were there signs, wonders, and miracles? What, what happened? Well, what was going on? one of the ladies who's in the church that we helped plant today in Calgary, um, she was she was a 15 year old girl who tried to commit suicide five times, and we we uh, met her at around midnight. We were out on the street just sharing the gospel. We were, we had no curfew. There was no like someone told you to go to bed at a certain time. We were just out in the street in Calgary. It was a pretty pretty messy you know fall and and heading into winter. Her name is Shar, and she. Uh, she she was demonized like really bad, and uh, she had slit her wrist. She jumped in front of a car. She jumped off a cliff. She'd taken overdose, all kinds of things, and God preserved her life. So we said we can pray for you. So we took her back to our house upstairs. In and I remember about a dozen of us in, in sitting on the mattresses, you know, which is our bedroom area, right. but it didn't mean anything to us at the time. It was just a comfortable place to, for a bunch of people to pray, and we were praying for her. We, at midnight, we got there. About two and a half hours, we've been praying for her. All of a sudden, she let out at 2.30 in the morning, a blood-curdling scream, like, ah! Screamed, freaked us all out, but she was set free. Wow. And uh, she's serving the Lord today. Wow. That's She's in our church. I mean, we, That's awesome. God set up a divine appointment <laughs> where I met her when I was working. And so she's back in back in fellowship with us, and it's great. So we, lots of miracles we saw. It wasn't, uh, we, we had like Satanists come. We had witches come. We had one girl got saved out of a coven, and uh, she, we were praying for her. She They kept putting curses on her, um, all kinds of crazy stuff. They gave her... I gave us, she gave us her cat because she kept screaming in the <laughs> night. And we would take a cat in the house. And so we had the cat, and, and it was, like, violent and angry. And, and so we put a couple blankets on my lap and two guys on either side of me, and we laid our hands on this cat. And this is the witch's cat. And we, we were praying over it and speaking in tongues over it. And uh, about 10 minutes later, we just stopped, and the cat became the friendliest cat. It would come up wow. and sit and purr on your shoulder and by the couch. Yeah. And, it was amazing. But this girl, she had to, she, I mean, they, they cursed her. There was lots of stuff happening. She fell down the stairs and broke her leg and all kinds of stuff. Finally, wow. she got set free. So wow. and we saw lots of those things too. So wow. lots of wild stuff. That is wild. Yeah. So Leith, how did John ask you out? Well, I mean, he has no job. He has no home. He has, well, he had the house with all his buddies. <laughs> well, we, we, I don't think we ever officially went on a date. We met at prayer meetings, and we used to talk afterwards and and just sit on the couch, and he would hold my hand. And I said to my sister on the way home from one of these meetings, I said, does John squeeze your hand really hard? (laughs) And she said, no. (laughs) So he was conveying a message, and, uh, you know, I just just, um, loved the presence of the Lord, and um, one of the big attractions to me for was worship. Mm-hmm. You know, he was a worshiper right from the get-go, and um, I love to worship. I just, it's just my heart as well as his, and that was that was one of the drawing cards, and we um, we just sort of drifted into getting married. Drifted into getting married. (laughs) 
So did your parents like him? No. <laughs> That's for sure. <laughs> no, they, they, well, they thought it was all his fault that, that I went off the rails, as mm. they would maybe put it. But um, he, you know, we, I, we both felt very strongly that this was a God thing. And so we just eventually planned the wedding in six weeks, just just to avoid as much conflict as possible. We got married and um, wasn't didn't have the wisest uh, courtship or or anything like that. And when we got married, we were house parents in one of these houses at oh the beginning, and that is not a good way to start right. a marriage. Oh but God put some, as our old pastor used to say, some stick in the glue, <laughs> and we persevered through mm-hmm. thick and thin and. It's been a blessing. Did John ever get a job? <laughs> oh yeah. <laughs> We're when so did he happy. Be, when did, yeah, when did he get a job and what did he do and well, did he ever stop being a hippie? Oh yes. Yeah, because of the church that we were involved in, he gradually um changed the way he dressed and got his hair cut and <laughs> <laughs> So, you know, um but my my parents couldn't understand at all and they you know god in his mercy he blessed us with a child nine months after we got married so we got out of that house situation yeah you know and how long have you been married now 51 years and how many kids do you have three three wow yeah yeah two boys and a girl and we have seven granddaughters and one grandson wow. and I guess there have, was some stick in that glue. Yeah. yeah. One great granddaughter. Oh, a wow. great granddaughter. Wow. <laughs> yeah. Wow. So what was your first job, John? My first job when I got after, saved, yeah, after I, you I became a hippie. We stayed in a I stayed we stayed with the lady that led me to Christ. Um she was a, her husband was an all service worker and she had five kids but the, she put me in cuz we could only stay in the hostel for 3 days. So she put myself and my friend uh, Matthew in um their house in their basement. We slept in their basement for a while. And then uh, when her husband was coming home, she thought, I better move you. So we moved to a Lutheran couple's house, Dan Garrigan. And he uh, was a bricklayer. So I worked with him and I went bricklaying. I was, I was 105 pounds oh when my. I got saved. I was a drug addict. I didn't eat and brush my teeth. I didn't do anything. I was just like street person and didn't care. And uh, what forced you to become a hippie? What? Well, what? just the, the '60s. You were in the '60s. I, you know, I mean, we were smoking up, uh, smoking pot, with my friends two doors down from me. Kids I grew up with, played road hockey with, and you know everything else. But uh, we're listening to Bob Dylan, smoking up and playing stock ticker at the same time, which is a complete, you know, Bob Dylan and stock ticker don't really go together. But it, you know, it was just what we did, and and uh, eventually listening to psychedelic music and getting more and more into that you know you ju- it just eventually led to that i was still a musician and we were playing in a couple of bands but my bands were drug related so one band the first band i was in was called overdose and the second band was <laughs> blues hash and uh and it was fun we did dances and coffee houses and then eventually just switched to folk music with my buddy and and uh that kind of stuff so yeah it was just it evolved. It wasn't like okay, I'll be a hippie. It was just yeah, it, it, it the evolved, culture you know, of the day. The culture of the day, following that, and uh, then then um, yeah. So that was my first job, bricklaying, and I was 105 pounds and lifting those bricks up that ladder to that guy doing the chimney 
It was pretty tough, and I didn't last very long doing that. But I had odd jobs and stuff. But I was that, when you were that leader of the boys or the house, your room and board was paid for. Okay. So you just need a little bit of money. So I was, I was not, not about career. For me, right then, it was about ministry. Uh-huh. And so I was about leading people to Jesus. And Were you kind of the Lonnie? Well, in yeah, the, in Calgary, like in the, I would say I was the Lonnie in Calgary. Okay. Because I was the leader of the Jesus people. Yeah. And we, we, um, we, when, before we went on that trip where Leif talked about I me mean, coming back from, uh, we met with John Lucas, who was a pastor of uh, a very staid uh, Pentecostal holiness church, very legalistic in lots of ways. But uh, he loved the Lord, and he had visions. He, was, he brought 40 Jesus people up from Davis, California, uh, under, the, under a pastor named Ron Cody, to come and preach in Calgary, and he was going to call it the Spiritual Stampede while Stampede Week was on. They're going to do outreaches, so we, these 40 Jesus people would go to uh, witness on the mall, the, the pedestrian mall where all the hippies hung out. And so uh, he told us about it. Before I left, he said, listen, I got some tracks for you, you can hand out across Canada. So we, we picked, went to the church, and he gave us a bunch of literature before we left for Ontario. And uh, we, we, you know, got back and went to the spiritual stampede. And while we were there, we were hanging out with these hippies from California. And we had about 50 people in our group, the Jesus people in Calgary at the time, and been gone for about, just about a year. And when we met these hippies from California, these guys were grounded in the word. We had Bible studies, you know, people come in uh, and teach, you know, a couple of times a week, but it wasn't the same thing about being part of a local church. And so we, we were kind of impressed with these guys and we kept saying what's your secret how come you know the word so well how come you're you're really good in this and and they said oh we're part of a local church we're under the discipline of a local church we went, wow that sounds really good and so we met that week uh, while they were there we met with the leaders of Emmanuel Church John Lucas and, and James Thomas they were the pastors and we sat down with them for a week having this meeting talking about what would it be like for us to come under your leadership and our houses by that time we had three houses and what what would it you know um, what would that mean for us and so you know then then um, so after a week we said okay we'll do it and so that Sunday following that spiritual stampede they they laid hands on me and the lady who was running the uh, overseeing the, the the girls house and so they laid hands on both of us and they said um, they they prayed over us and received us in the church and there was a prophetic word it said. Uh, if you don't accept these kids into your church, I will make them jewels in someone else's crown. And it was a, it was a blessing. You had grannies hugging hippies. You had people just reaching out. And if you see that scene in the the Jesus Revolution mm-hmm. where that one guy crosses the aisle and goes to sit with the hippies, that was like this. That's where we wow. were. That same thing. We it wasn't our like it wasn't a plan. We weren't trying to copy anybody. It was just a God thing. Mm-hmm. And out of that, we we had they had a revival at the church. They had five young people at the church. One was the youngest one was fourteen. The oldest one was forty. And uh, they, they, were, they were their church young people. Everyone else was like senior seniors. <laughs> yeah. And so we were, the, we were the young people. And we'd wow. come in and sit in the front row uh, with our bare feet and all of our, you know, hippie paraphernalia. And they, they eventually accepted us. Well, then we started having the called Jesus parties. Okay. Um, we have to stop right here because we have so much more to do. Yeah. And we need to, we'll continue this yeah. next week. Good. Because there's a whole lot of uh, information that y'all have about the Jesus Revolution yeah. happening in your part of the area. But um, we have to wrap it up today, and we'll come back next week, and we'll finish hearing awesome. more about the Jesus Revolution. Oh, so hold that thought. Yeah. 
And so one of the things, takeaways that I always get listening to testimonies like this and comparing it to history past is that there's nothing new under the sun. Mm -hmm. Uh, Even though we don't have a generation of hippies per se right now, we have a generation of young people that still are lost. We have have a generation of kids still in drugs. We We have fatherless families. We've got kids that don't know whether they're a boy or a girl. Mm-hmm. And and uh, the church is still in the same predicament. Uh, if we don't receive these kids, they'll end up a jewel in somebody else's crowd. Yeah. I mean, it's our it's our calling to uh, to love the world, no matter what part of the world they came out of. Mm-hmm. So, what uh, what would you say to the to the listeners today in that vein, John, to encourage them? Wow, uh, it it is reach out. Reach out, embrace, love, accept them, and we're not we're not called to judge. We're called to to bless them and to love them. And so that's the big issue, and I think I think that changes it when when these when this lady Mert reached out to me and uh, loved me, fed me, you know, took us in. It just it just changed my life, and I'm forever grateful for that lady. Yeah, and then all the multitudes of people that come to Christ after that. So. Yeah, yeah, it really is about love. Mm-hmm. It really is. She just followed Holy Spirit that day yeah. and came and found you. And it wasn't like she was asking God to only send her a certain kind of person. She was just obeying Holy Spirit because she loved. Yeah. And uh, so we just released that over you today. Uh, keep your eyes open for whom Holy Spirit is leading you to today. And uh, it may end up being another revolution that starts mm. with that one person that you yeah. find. And so thank you for being with us today, John and Leith. Our Great pleasure. And we are going to run another show. Right, uh, because there's so much more to talk about. Uh, that people can listen to next week. And so uh, God bless you, everybody. Thank you for listening to the Church Doctors today. Bye-bye. Thanks for joining us on the Church Doctors podcast. For more information or to contact us, please visit our website at outpouringintl.com.